Hello, welcome to the World Cafe Podcast. This podcast has been designed with curated content that centers on the power of words. Can we really do anything without speaking? Can we really do anything without the agency of words? Yes, that is what this podcast is all about. And I am your host, Amakri Subway, your neighborhood word trader. I believe in the power of words, for it is the unit of creation. I trade in words to profit my world. I see you. Hi, how you doing? Good morning, good afternoon, good everything. <laughs> yes, we're back here again. Each time I come into the cafe and know that you are there, oh, it gives me so much joy. Yes, because I just come in and I notice oh, myself, you know, have a talk, share some thoughts with you. And, you know, we get along. Yes. So how are you? How's your day? How, I mean, has it been for you? Yeah, I know. It's been, yeah, wonderful. Wonderful. Okay. Hmm, what do we do today? Yes. I've been having this conversation, in a conversation with myself on a topic, you know, and I've been churning and, you know, chewing and brooding and what have you you know and it's like how how do i how do i share this how do i uh bring it to you so i had to go do some research on my own you know ask some questions do one or two things just to like yes before you jump into something i think it's only be wise for you to like search start from way to say scientifically you start from the known uh-huh. to the unknown. Yeah. So, but before I do that, I want to read uh, this phrase. It was it was uh, it was coined by a French writer, Jean Baptiste Alphonse Carr. Yes, that's his name. The more things change, the more they remain the same. The more things change the more they remain the same. I mean, all of us at one point or the other will come to like, um, yes, hear the saying that the only constant in life is change. Yes, you know, you will always see change. If you have lived for 50 years, try and take an audit of your life. You will see a lot of changes, not just in your life, a little bit around you, but externally things that have brought about change even changes to you as a person so it's like you know we've all come across it so what is that thing i will tell you work Mm -hmm. you heard me w-o-r-k work you know from where i stand i've come to see that a lot of things around us that has brought about significant change or changes is that desire to work. We want to work. For the sake of work, we go and uh, 
you know we we, we acquire certain skills we we we, we 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 work on our minds we work on our competencies we work on all that because we want to like gain a level of uh should i say proficiency in that thing so that we would work why because we want to earn a living yes but you know the first time for me that i came across the concept of work was seeing it in the scriptures when God made man and put him in the garden yes and told him to tend yes to tend to tend it sounds like work to me so it's like he's working he's tending he's making um earning making what have you you know tilling the soil and all that so the principle of work was born so to say you know and all but in course of my yes search or research I came upon this image picture that more or less described yes the how work has traveled the journey work has taken the history of work you know it started with the subsistence you know concept of work where work was all about food and clothing yes shelter you know so it's like that's what that was what work was all about then it moved to competition yes work being tied to competition slavery serfdom and all that then it moved to trade yes you know trade trade by barter and all that that was what you know work in words as at that time then it it came to the point of mm, the creative talent you know where after renaissance working for money by hiring people hire your talent can you imagine that your talent is being hired wonderful then it went to the, the reformation when you know you had uh, the protestant work ethic you know you have to the moral aspect of work you know and the dignity of labor and what have you then it went to good work you know when work was all about meaning you find in purpose you know originality you, you want to be empowered you want to self actualize more or less you want to you know realize who you are then it came to that point of mass production yes the age of industrialization it changed everything production of goods you know was now disconnected from talent and aspiration of the worker it changed totally it changed you know so it was more of now like um uh, machinery and all that and i came upon this write up and i'm going to like do some uh you know i'll take some excerpts from it just to share with us uh, this write up was done by the minute i'm going to call his name up now mark valenbrek yes how work was invented a century ago yes that is a century ago around 1850 the world was on the verge of a fundamental change change again you heard that the newly invented steam engine could generate more energy and newly invented machines allowed people to produce at a faster pace than ever before some people started putting these invention in a big building yeah it's called factories stop working from home you see so subsistence and all that are gone 
you know, stop working from home in the family, moved from the countryside to city and started to work in big factory. Yes, the industrial revolution, I mean, revolution allowed people for the first time in the history of mankind to work together in large groups. Mm, yes, in large groups, in companies, if I must use that word. It was during this this profound shift in how people, you know, lived and walked that some, mostly men from the United States, they decided to think outside the box now, you know, from the United Kingdom, from France, from Germany and the U.S., you know, they started thinking about how these groups will work together, you know, to, to more or less to, to create a form of communication, so to say, they can work together in most effective and efficient ways. Out of all those people looking for ways to run organizations and organize work, one, I mean, this set of people, uh, Frederick Taylor, Henry Ford, and Max Weber, they came up with wonderful, wonderful ideas. Now, Frederick Taylor, in 1880, you know, the year is 1880, and 10 workers are standing, as in, this is Frederick, Frederick Taylor now, observing next to each other in the mid, you know, mid, Midvale Steel Factory in Philadelphia. Each one has a pile of sand to their left and a shovel in their hands. Three, two, one, stop, like that, like a race, you know, and the workers started moving the piles of sand from their left to their right. Frederick was observing, just like that, I was observing them carefully how long it took each worker to move the sand, you know, like up to one hundredth of a second. Oh, why should someone do this? He said to himself, he, you know, and he was just observing. I was like, is there no way we can, you know, like uh, do this better? Then he came up with a method that was known then and is still known, the scientific management theory. You know, he wrote a book about the principle of scientific management, you know, where you're going to have things done, you know, work should be divided between managers and workers, where managers spend their time planning and training, allowing the workers to perform tasks efficiently. Performance should be monitored and workers should be instructed and supervised to ensure that they are working in the most efficient way. Instead of assigning workers to any job, workers should be matched to their jobs based on their capability and motivation and trained to do the work. So more or less, he was he, he thought of ways, structures around work to bring about, you know, higher productivity, save time, and what have you? Wonderful. A good idea. Guess who came in, I mean, on the scene after this? Hmm. At the beginning of the 20th century, Henry Ford, you know, Henry Ford started building cars in Detroit. Back then, it took his employees more than 12 hours to manufacture a car. Inspired by Taylor's scientific management, Ford was looking for ways to organize work better and reduce production time. One day, one of Ford's colleagues came from a trip, you know, to Chicago where he saw something that would change Ford's life completely. He had visited a, you know, a slaughterhouse where workers were processing the meat like normal. But now, they did, they did that 
I mean, they, they did that. They did that in an interesting manner. Instead of the workers moving around the carcasses, the carcasses were moving around the workers. Each worker had one specific tax, division of labor, and upon completion, an assembly line moved the carcass to the next person with another tax. This inspired Ford, and in 1913, he had to organize his factory with an assembly line. You understand? Seeing this to build, I mean, build his new Ford Model T. You know, cars of those days. The cars were now moving around the workers instead of the other way round, and the process of building a new car was divided into 45 separate steps, each done by someone else. Wow, division of labor, specialization, specifications, if you must, if I must say, create an assembly line where each worker had one task to turn out to be, I mean, it turned out to be a huge success. Instead of taking more than 12 hours to build a car together. It now, it now took Ford only 93 minutes. Can you imagine that? In fact, cars were now produced so fast. They had more to do. They had more to do. So, I mean, bringing structure, as it were, into what uh, the production lines were like, changed everything. It saved time. It, it brought about higher productivity and higher yield. Now, one other person that now came on the scene to like bring more, uh, would I say, zest to this activity was Max Weber. Yes, he was born 1864. Yes, he talked about large organizations, bringing them together, groups of people, you know, and all that creating organizational structure bringing about bureaucracy so you now have things well structured as it were the process it, it, it moved from one level to the other decisions now uh, was not just one person taking the decision and that's it no you now have things like uh, vertical uh, ways of making decisions and all that whoa that was the last century and this saw about huge huge productivity principles such as division of uh, 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 labor of tax and you know and people you know you had hierarchy managers workers between managers and workers the separation of the professional and uh, personal life all led to higher productivity Yay! you know they had a lot of things now more consistency in quality you know goods produced and most importantly higher profits money 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 you know and all that was a hundred years ago. So what happened? You know, when you look at it from that Western perspective, our work has radically changed. It's different now than it was. Because now, a century ago, the way this great minds came about, creating structures and all that, they brought about blue-collar jobs. Yes, you have you know, people now leave their homes and walk, you know, some distances or drive or move or are being transported to another location to do quote-unquote work and get paid for it, you know, and all that. But a century after, our economies are no longer, you know, in they're no longer industrial. 
but mainly knowledge-based. Yes, the economies we run today, they are knowledge-based. Most of the work has changed from being manual, making things towards service. Work based on knowledge, ideas, and creativity. So that's what we have now. So that thing that we used to know originally as work has changed. Yes, it has changed. So now, what does it mean to work now? Or what is work all about now? In this age that we are in, that I call the age of knowledge, work is all about now value. Yeah. It's all about value now. You know, it's all about creativity. It's all about you engaging your mind, not necessarily moving from one location to another location, being transported, and it's like now, wow, I am quote and unquote going to work. Now, how do you get people and your organization to be more creative and innovative as possible? That is one core question. One question. Yes. To understand how applying old ways of thinking about work limits you in, I mean, at work today. Wow, we need to take a little detour. Yeah, by introducing, introducing this principle. Separate your professional from your personal life. That is uh, what is happening now. And that brings me to something I saw by... Uh, 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 when I see a thought put to, put out there by Adam Grant. Adam Grant is a, an organizational psychologist. You know, he's big on uh, HR management and what have you. And he's a, hmm, a bestseller. Mm-hmm. He said, for generations, we've organized our lives around our work. Our jobs have dictated where we make our homes when we see our families and what we can squeeze into our downtime. What if we reverse that and started planning our work around our lives? So after a century, the way we walk has changed. The perception has changed. The economy is no longer that one that is based on uh, it's not like industrial, so to say, on machines and what have you. It is now one that is based on knowledge. It is knowledge-driven. It is all about creativity. It is all about what value can you bring. But that notwithstanding, we still have this battle. Yes, it is like the century gone by is trying to birth, give birth, is trying to bring to, mm, yes, you heard me, it's trying to bring out, push out this new concept and there is this battle between the old and the new, as we want to describe it, old school and new school, actually there's just only one school, all we see is just change, yes, changes, that is it, so we have this battle raging 
in organizations today, raging in the society, raging across governments and what have you. But the truth is, it's changed. Look at where we all started from, from subsistence or subsistency, if you want me to uh, use that. And we see that growth. You check the trajectory, the way the rise, the way it was growing, and bum is back, so to say, to that very place, home, working from home. And that's what I want to share with you today. Knowledge-based economy, knowledge-driven economy. Mm. That is all what we are looking for. That is all what we are looking for, solutions. We are now riding on the platform of knowledge to come about solutions in solving those challenges. Yeah, right. I gotta go now, whatever be the case. Come on, we're here. We're here. There's no need to fight. There's no need to quarrel. It's just to embrace change because it is the only thing that is constant. Change. You know how we do it, and you know how we do it here at the cafe. You, yeah, till I come away again. You know, you know, you know. Come on, embrace it. Change. Bye for now. Oh, yeah. Beautiful. Before we sign off, I just want to encourage you. Yeah, it's been a wonderful time. And also, I'd like to hear from you your feedback. You know, you've been listening to the Word Cafe podcast. I would love to hear from you the feedback. If you have any questions, yeah, you go ahead and ask those questions. You can reach me at my email address amakri garibaldi at gmail.com amakri is a-m-a-c-h r-o-e-e g-a-r-i-b-a-l-d-i at gmail.com yeah and uh, we'll get back you know how we do it on the show thank you Arts and Time, it has been with you on the Word Cafe podcast today. Thank you for being there. You can catch me up on my social media handles, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, all at Amakri Isoboye. Also, you can get copies of my books, A Cocktail of Words, The Color of Words, and my HR notebook on Amazon and on Robin Heights online bookstores. You can also subscribe to my YouTube page, at the same address. Yes, till we see you again. Bye for now.